0: I had, was going to start a new series tonight called um, Thoughts from the Heart from the Scripture as a man or woman thinks in his or her heart. So so is he or she. But I started writing a little bit about the Asbury Revival just to preface it in the message. And uh, I got to about a page I said, well, there's no way that I'm going to get into anything in the series. So I wanted to share some thoughts on Um, If you're familiar with what's going on in Asbury, there's a revival that's been happening at a college campus there. And unfortunately, they're going to bring it to that particular hall or that uh, where they're having it to an end for this Friday. But according to reports, they're going to move it off site to um, probably a church or something around there. So um, I'm sure it's going to continue. But the cool thing about it is that it has spread in other college campuses have started this movement as well. So you guys know that we do have done several of Carrie Jobe's songs in our services and uh, just known of her ministry for for many years. Um, and she drove to it, and if you can imagine Carrie Job sitting in the audience of, the, of this, I'd be pulling that sister up on the platform saying, you're gonna sing a little bit while you're here. Um, but it was powerful what she recorded from her vehicle uh when she drove first drove up and this is the response that many have had watch what she says at the end No, no video on it? Okay. So she's just she's just driving in on the outskirts of the auditorium, and you can hear her say, oh my goodness, then it, it's only like 19 seconds long. And then at the very end, she says this powerful statement, this woman who has filled auditoriums and been on tours and so forth, she says, thank you, Jesus, as she's looking at these lines of people that are going into this to this revival. And I think no matter, you know, if you get online, people have got all things to say about it, good and bad. But I the Lord just prompted my heart to whatever God is doing, can we just have that that atmosphere and that attitude? Thank you, Jesus. If you need I've got my notes on an outline. There's no fill-ins tonight. I didn't want to do any fill-ins, but I wanted to lead you through it. Sammy, do you mind grabbing a few and just see if anybody needs an outline? So if you're following me, the enemy's attempt at a stronghold. And what I mean by that, your first bullet is, the enemy has infiltrated the college campus with godlessness. It's interesting that a movement like Asbury is on a college campus. If you think about it, and then I've heard that a has had some things going on. I've heard UT and different ones that we probably... Um, don't know anything about yet. Ainsley Earhart, who is one of the anchors on Fox and Friends in the Morning, was there this morning there in, uh, at that campus interviewing some young people there. It's interesting how it's caught the attention of the world nationwide, worldwide, in what God is doing We have sent, and I'm following along just in my outline, we have sent our young people where they go in one way of thinking and they've come out with an entirely different way of thinking rooted in humanism. The enemy has done a good job when it's come to the college realm where they're thinking, and I've seen this where even, I don't know, even people that don't necessarily... um, call themselves Christians. I mean, they're believers, but they're not, you know, churchgoers of that nature, and their kids may not. But even I've heard people that I've known that said, we've sent our kid, kid into whatever university is, and when they came back, their thinking was weird, and their, their uh, value system had shifted, and their attention on uh, the wrong things, and um, just, you know, that woke mentality is just a really way, good way to to, uh, to call it is just a way of thinking that um, it, it's, it's godless. It's humanist. It's humanistic. I think that's where we've seen the increase of depression and anxiety and things of this nature. Let me stop right there and full stop. And this actually goes into my next series that I'm going to start that's called Thoughts from the Heart. When it comes to how we think, but, and I don't want to make little of depression, anxiety, mental health. I don't want to make little of that. I don't want to, I don't want to uh, uh, make that something light. But could we not agree that things like depression and anxiety and things of those nature have been on heightened increase? And what I believe that comes from is we've had a heightened focus on ourselves and and we've become disappointed with what we've seen. I think that's the root of a lot of things that the world deals with and certainly we do on a, on a daily basis is that we become the center of the world. We become the center of our world and our destiny. And when we get to that place, we become disappointed because I don't know about you, but I'm very quickly unimpressed with Jonathan, very quickly. And so when we come to that place where we are the focus, we get into those natures where we're not pleased with things. Let's go to Isaiah 59, 19, and I'm going to skip back and forth between the Amplified and the New King James. So then, as a result of the Messiah's intervention, they shall reverently fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. For when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him and put him to flight. For he will come like a rushing stream, which the breath of the Lord drives." I want to read it again, and I want to pick it apart just quickly. Back at the top of that verse. So as a result of the Messiah's intervention, they shall reverently fear the name of the Lord. What I think God is doing in our days and in our time is that there's a place where people are reverent. When it says to fear, you can translate that respectful of the things of God that they're respectful of his presence, that they're drawn to that he is a holy God. And as a result of that, they'll fear the name of the Lord from the west and the glory from the rising of the sun. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, and some people that are scholars believe that 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 comma is misplaced, that it says, when the, enemy of the, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, comma, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. So let me make a point and then I'll move the comma. That what happens is that the enemy has played his best game when it's come to young people. When it's come to college campuses, he's played his best game. But if we think that God is just going to let him have his way, hopefully by the end of tonight, by the few points that I make with you, that I'll convince you that God is up to something. So when it says, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, that the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him and put him to flight, and the Amplified said, and he will come like a rushing stream, speaking of God, which his breath drives. Now, would you agree that the comma is misplaced in the context of the verse? When the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. And I believe that that's what we're seeing, Jonathan. What if it's just a, a, a two or three week thing? I don't know, but I want to be like Carrie Job. If I see a hint of His glory, I want to say thank you, Jesus. If I see a hint of the movement of God, I want—I don't want to psychoanalyze it and get all the parameters of it and find out if it's real or not, who's faking it, who's sincere. I want to be like Carrie and just say thank you, Jesus from moving on people's hearts. And one of the things that, you know, the thought of that when they announced that this Friday will be the last, uh, they've been going around the clock, literally, and this Friday will be the last. I thought, well, you know, I hope that doesn't end it. God said, you think I'm that, (laughs) that out of touch. That if God decides to have a move of his spirit, there is nothing that will stop him. That the, 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 that the Lord will never be outdone by the enemy. I heard the, a preacher say this not too long ago. It isn't tit for tat. It's not the God against the enemy. He's not, they're not having a wrestling match or an arm wrestling where they're struggling at the top. The enemy is a defeated foe and Jesus is champion forever. He, is a, he has defeated death, hell, and the grave forever. There's no part of the the kingdom of darkness that has any power, any influence over the kingdom of God. So the question is grace, or the next thing, grace will never be outdone by sin. We tend to focus on the the sin, the failure, the wickedness in the world, but grace will never be outdone by, by sin. Anywhere the enemy tries to set up a stronghold, the grace of God and righteousness will pick up the pace. Romans 5:20 says but the law came in only to expand and increase the trespasses making it more apparent and ex- uh, exciting opposition but where sin increased and abounded grace God's unmerited favor has super has surpassed it and increased the more and I love this last word superabound Romans, the next, the next verse, 21, so that just as sin reigned in death, if you have your Bible, your, I should have passed out pens, but reigned in death, watch this, so grace, God's unmerited and undeserved favor might reign also through righteousness, right standing with God, with issues in eternal life through Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one, our Lord. I don't know uh, about you, but I've been concerned about lately about the way that some things have being, are being preached when it comes to grace, and, uh, and the Lord finally just got a hold of me and said, don't you worry about that. Do you think I have more power than somebody that's going to misuse grace? Lord said, "Do you think I have more of a of more of a plan?" I love what Billy Brim says. We said it during Ryan's Ryan series. Oh, what a plan! Oh, what a plan! Or that do you not think that God has a plan for when it comes to how grace operates in this world? So, what is the question? What what uh, what it should be? There should be is what is the heart of God up to? I should be proof these things. <laughs> it has always been the heart of God to pour out his presence upon hungry people. And I believe right now, before I read Acts 2, that God is stirring the hunger of people. Now, I, the, word, the word of God also talks about that there will be a, in the last days a great falling away. The word of God says that there's a, a wide path that leads to destruction and narrow one that leads to, to life. The, the, the word of God says that, that uh, many will be, find the wide few, but I believe... For the ones whose hearts are sensitive to the things of God, that God is moving on those hearts. Acts 2, uh, 17, it says, and it shall come to pass in the last days. Anybody think we might be living in the last days? If Acts 2 was the last days, we must be the last of the last days in 2023. That God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon all mankind and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Telling forth the divine counsels and your young men shall see visions, divinely granted appearances and your old men shall dream divinely suggested dreams. Before I read that next one, that I believe that God is moving on this generation of of all ages, of all walks of life, of all creed, of all, that he's moving on them to prophesy his love, to prophesy his return, to prophesy his, his plans, to prophesy his heart. Yes, and on, your men, on my men servants and also on my maidservants, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy, telling forth the divine counsel and predicting future events pertain especially to God's kingdom. Jonathan, what's the point of that? That I believe that God is up to something. I believe his heart is up to something. I don't know necessarily that it's gonna be on a grand stage. I don't know necessarily that it's gonna be for that every news media station is gonna have a hold of it. But do I think that God is up to something? Absolutely. Couple of of events that I that I think of quickly. Uh, one was this uh, medical mission had gone into a, a Muslim country, and and I, I mean, there's uh, this is not anti-Muslim. This isn't. I'm just talking about how Jesus operates, where they were forbade to to. To preach the gospel, anything of Jesus. And that's that's natural. That's not, you know, that's that's in a Muslim nation, and I don't remember what it was, but they were told, you can come in with medicine, but you don't preach your your you don't preach your religion. And they understood that. But they had smuggled in some Bibles, even though they were doing a medical mission outreach, and they were there, there was doctors there, nurses there ready to do medicine. And they said there was a long line of women in burqas, which is the normal uh, Islamic uh, outfit that they would wear with the, the head covering and so forth. And this missionary said, woman after woman after woman would come in there and the doctor would ask them, what's wrong? What's, what have you come into our medical mission for? And they said, there's nothing wrong. We, we've heard that you've got Bibles. So these Muslim women who had no church, had no Christian television, had no Christian radio, no worship songs, no nothing. Somehow, found out that these medical missionaries had Bibles. And what they would do, they said they'd take those Bibles and they'd put it up underneath their burqa, hiding it, and then they'd go home with it. And the next woman would come in. They said, "What, what, uh, you know, what, what's your ailment? What can we help you with?" Nothing. We heard that you have Bibles, and we've come for one. Woman after woman after woman. And I I don't, may have been men as well, but specifically it was these women that would hide it up underneath their clothing. Well, what's what's the purpose of even bringing that up, Jonathan? To say that God is moving on the hearts of people. Billy Brim, bless you, Billy Brim, uh, a lady I like to listen to, tells a story about a village that had uh, been having dreams of Jesus a village that was unchurched, there wasn't a church, there was no pastor, there was no missionary, it just was a remote village and these people were having these dreams. They didn't know who it was. All they knew it was a man dressed in white. And they were sharing with each other, that who are, did you, I had a dream last night. It was a dream and a man was dressed in white and he came and I felt love. I felt, I felt something in my heart that just was alive and I don't know, who is this man dressed in white? So anytime anybody came to the village, they'd ask him, do you know anything about a man dressed in white? And many times up until this point, they'd say, I don't know what you're talking about. And finally, a missionary made it to that village, somebody that was carrying the gospel, and these village came out to them, as they, as they did with anybody that was an outsider. They said, do you know anything about this man dressed in white? We're having dreams about him. And this missionary said, I know who he is. His name is Jesus. And he loves you so much that he has made his way into your dreams to tell you of his goodness. He's made his way into your sleep to tell you how much he loves you and he wants to save you. Save you. And this village just erupted in rejoicing because they finally find, found out that the man that was coming to them in their dreams, dressed in white, was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and his name is Jesus. In the middle of a dream... It's interesting to note, I'm following my notes, it's interesting to note that many eschatologists don't necessarily see the United States in end times prophecy. If you follow it right now, there's references in the Bible to the bear, and many eschatologists, end time teachers, believe that that is Russia. And what's paramount in, in news right now. Russia, that the bear shall come from the north down upon Israel, and many believe that is Russia. But of all the references that eschatologists have, they've yet to find a specific reference to the United States that we can really definitively definitively pair that that's reference to the United States. And I don't know the reason of that. The Lord will reveal it in glory, but what I believe in my heart is that there will be such revival in the United States. So when the end times occur, there won't be hardly any Americans left because their hearts will be turned to God. And you're saying, well, John, Jonathan, that sounds like that's pretty, you know, elitist. No, this country has sent out more evangelists, more missionaries, more, more religion. If you talk, not religion, but more a word of God than, than any on the planet of any given time that has reached the world. And what do I believe that God will cause that harvest of righteousness, that harvest of lives, that harvest of lives turning toward him to reap up, and I believe it's gonna I believe it's gonna be a lot of people, but maybe that's it. I don't know. Maybe that's it. I believe this is a foundation scripture of the name Jesus generation that, that God gave to me many years ago. But Psalms 24 6 says in the amplified, this is the generation descriptive of those who seek him. Who inquire for him and necessity, and necessity ugh, I can't say it, and of necessity require him who seek your face. O oh God of Jacob, that I believe that what we're seeing on, in, 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 our, in our world, and I've said this scripture for years. Uh, Taylor made a cool t shirt of it that, that has this scripture on it that this is the generation that will seek his face that this is the generation who will require him of necessity Jonathan, what if that doesn't happen? I don't. I'm going to say it until he grabs me out of this planet and takes me home with him. I'm going to say that this is the generation that seeks him. So, Jonathan, what should we say about anything that breaks out on a college campus? Declare, thank you, Jesus, that this is the generation that seeks your face. That I thought it was interesting, Tucker Carlson, who is a is a. a one of the anchors on, on Fox, on his show, I didn't get to see it, but I heard the clips of it, you know, the shorts of it, that he had wanted to go to Asbury and go into that auditorium and interview and do a story on that. And they told him not to come, not because they didn't like Tar- Tucker Carlson, not because they didn't like Fox, but they said, this is not what it's about. It's not about coming in and, and having a media frenzy and seeing everybody. This is a sovereign move of God. And what are, what are you saying, Jonathan? That Can we set our hearts that God has a sovereign move of God on our generation, on my generation, on your generation, on a younger generation, on an older generation? A move of God. Why? Because Jesus is worthy of it all. Haggai 2.6 says, and this is the Lord talking, for thus says the Lord of hosts, once more is in a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land. Watch this next verse. And I will shake all nations and they shall come to the desire of all nations. You notice that desire is capitalized. All is capitalized. Nations is capitalized. It's a title. The ti- that's the title of Jesus. He is the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. All that to say that inside of anybody that's ever breathed in air, there is inside of them a desire to know Jesus. And I wanna be part of that generation that's calling out to them that there is something on the inside of you that's the drawing of God. Answer it. There is a God and he loves you. What do I think God? Heaven has a plan, that God is up to something. Jesus said here in Luke 15, what man of you, if he has a hundred sheep, he's telling them a story, and would lose one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness, the desert, and he goes after the one until the lost, until, uh, is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders in rejoicing. I love those pictures of Jesus. Mom has one in her entryway of Jesus with a sheep around his shoulders. And when he gets home, he summons together friends and his neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me because I have found my sheep, which was lost. Thus, I tell you, Jesus is saying, that there is, there will be more joy in heaven over one especially wicked person who rejoices, changes his mind, abhors his errors and misdeeds, and determines that entering upon a better course of life than over 99 righteous ones who have no need of repentance. And we obviously believe there is nobody that, that doesn't need. We all need repentance. Jesus is just being facetious there. But his point is that there's more rejoicing over one Reaching out to God. I want to show you a video. I've never shown a six minute video that I know of other than movie night, but I want you to see this video from beginning to end. And I want to show you something specific at the end. This video that I'm a shot, it's just Britain's Got Talent is all it is. (laughs) I know it's nothing super spiritual or deep, but I've watched this video at least 50 times. I've watched the ending because I'll rewind it and rewind it and rewind. I've watched the ending probably 75 times. Take a look.
1: And why don't you live with your mum and dad? Um, well, I don't, uh, I, I um, sorry. Um, I live with my nan because um, uh, I haven't known my father till I was 16. Um, and uh, yeah, this is quite hard. Sorry. Um, yeah. Car Grave. What are you going to sing? Yeah, I'm going to sing for you today. Yeah. And what's the dream? Just selling out theatres like this. Hopefully. All right. Well, good luck. Thank you very much. Griffin, I want to say something to you Okay, because you're very nervous Yeah, this was very cold and mechanical for me. I Sense there's more in there. I Want to hear that warmth that richness. I want you to just let go for a second. Okay. What else you got? Um, I've got mission dormer Let's do that Have a glass of water. Yeah. Yeah. That was real. Thank you. All right. Good man. All right. Take a big breath. All right. Good lad. Clifford, how good do you think you are? Out of ten. Out of ten, I'd say I'm about a six at the moment. That's what we just got. I want an eight. And above.
0: Two things. One, everybody needs friends like that. That messes me up every time I watch it. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, there is more joy in heaven over one. And I watch that ending over and over again because I think that's how heaven responds. You know, if, until I saw this video, I thought you were at the end of the day. I like, yeah, somebody invited Jesus into their heart. Just unrestrained celebration in that video. I, I've watched that in the what I do is I back it up <laughs> right till he ends, and I watch his response, I watch his friend's response, I watch Simon's response. Simon has that little smirk on his face because he knows what he's he knows what he's unleashed, that he's done it many times. There is more joy in heaven over one especially wicked person who repents, who changes his mind, abhorring his his errors and misdeeds and determines to enter on a better course of life than over 99 righteous people who have no need of repentance, that Jesus' point here is, whether it's a move in Asbury or whether, I don't know what what it is, but I, I know this according to Scripture, that if one if just one heaven goes wild, so I, I don't know what's going to happen with Asbury. I'm gonna I'm gonna follow like my friend Carrie Job and just I'm gonna say thank you Jesus at every at every time that I see something like thank you Jesus and any time my life can intercept that I'm gonna say thank you Jesus. But I know that for every heart that turns for every life that is changed for every heart that responds to the love of God for every for and, and think of it in these terms for and I think that's why heaven responds this way for every hell destined person Who's just reached the end of themselves? If you remember how I started this, that I think that's why we're dealing with so much stress and anxiety and depression and 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 uh, self-loathing. Is that we we've we've forgotten that we have a Savior? That in the midst of our of our imperfections and everything that we're not satisfied with us, that there is a God who sent his son, Jesus, to, to die for our sins so that we could live under righteousness to him. And I think that when those hearts make those decisions, heaven unleashes celebration. So this is my prayer, and I hope it is your prayer as well, as we see this move of Asbury and pray that it just responds everywhere, that hearts would be turned. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you're doing. I, I join with, with, with Carrie and, and Cody and just thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing. We, we ask for it to move in this body of believers. We ask it to move in this community, God. God, I see, I'll just be honest with you, Lord Jesus, you've heard me say this. I see this auditorium filled with people that are hungry for you. And so we set our faith right now for the broken, the undone, the hurting, the lost, those that are destined destined to hell, that, that move of your spirit would cause them to respond and revival to come in lord we do we just t- t- declare right now that the enemy's work over every single university, the enemy's work over deception of young people, the enemy's work over godlessness in our secondary educations, in our higher educations, that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God will raise up a standard against him that your breath will drive. A move of your Spirit over this generation. sorry that I went a little late longer tonight. I don't usually don't speak this long. I remember as a kid, (laughs) Misty, you remember we used to do choir tours and and I remember a choir tour that we had and it was one where we would, we would put on a, a musical of some type and then we'd get on the church bus and we'd go all around and perform at different churches on choir tour. Robert and Richard did it. I did it. Sheila did it. We all were part of choir tour and I remember we went one time to a church in in, uh, Louisiana and we were there, I think we were going to perform our little thing that Sunday night, but we were there for the Sunday morning service. And so we all sat in rows and we were in that church for the Sunday morning service. And they ended their worship set. I think it was right before they like took the offering and they cranked out this song. I've never heard it before and I've never heard it since, but I remember the words of it. And it says, your word has established your name here in this earth and your power, uh, I have to sing it, your word established I have to sing it, but I remember it goes into this the, this chorus, and then the end of it says, your word is established, your name, and then the final thing, there's this break in the music, and, and this woman was singing, and the last line was, we are the final generation. I don't know if we're the final generation or not, I don't know, but if we are, if, I know this is the only generation I'm getting, <laughs> If we're the final generation, then let's usher in a move of the presence of God that heaven will celebrate. Would you stand and let me bless you. Thank you, God, for the moving of your spirit. Your word word says that you'll pour out your spirit upon all flesh. So we position ourselves, God. We position ourselves for that outpouring of your spirit. We declare, move on us, breathe on us, pour out over us. I hope that's the desire of so many churches in this country and around the world. Fall on us. Move in our hearts. Move in our generation. Move in our midst. In Jesus' name.